From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Kahn with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. One day, you are going to wake up and whatever is paying you is not going to pay you anymore. Today on episode 64 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Keith Leimbach. Keith left the corporate world following multiple C-level roles. He was determined to make an impact owning businesses where diversified income would reduce the likelihood of all his revenue disappearing. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Keith Leimbach. Keith left the corporate world following multiple C-level roles in a career that includes two IPOs and an 11-figure exit to Oracle. Then he launched what is now called a diversified income experiment, building laundromats, car washes, an Amazon private label business, an acquisition of an existing business, and seven trips through the franchise process. Now he's packaged up all these learnings and shares the details in his podcast, Diversified Income Experiment, and his website, DinkPie, D-I-N-C-P-I-E dot com. Keith, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, David. It's a pleasure being here. What caused you to leave the corporate world, Keith? I got fired <laughs> fairly abruptly and <laughs> fairly, uh, fairly visibly. My last two stints in the corporate world after 28 years, I uh, was as a CEO. Uh, I'd been a public company COO and left that to become a CEO. And I did that on two different stints. And, um, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong as, as a CEO, particularly in this, this day and age. And uh, if anybody wants to read about it, all you got to do is Google me and it's, it's easy to find. But the, the real thing I think that's interesting in this deal is I spent my entire career, 28 years in the corporate world, man, I spent, I spent the whole thing on a mission to become a CEO because that's what I thought, that's what, what I thought I wanted to do. And when, when I became a CEO, you know, it's a great job for your ego. It's, you know, it's not exactly what I was hoping it was going to be. And so when I ended up leaving the corporate world, what I really discovered is something that I probably knew all the time, but I kind of buried it under being a CEO. And that was, I really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, funny story, I was telling somebody this the other day, but when I graduated from college, I left myself a note that I should read when I was 30. And so on my 30th birthday, I opened it up. And in part, you know, one of the things in the note said, you better own your own business by now. And it still kind of sticks with me. Like I even knew when I was in college, that's what I wanted to do. But, you know, you graduate from college, you spend all this money to get a degree and time and, you know, all that effort. And you get a job coming out of, coming out of college. And I, I went to work for what's now called Accenture. And, um, geez, this is it. Like, now I just climbed to the top, right? So I, I just wanted to be a CEO. So long answer to your question, but I guess I always knew I, wa- I wanted to be an entrepreneur and not really a CEO. And it took me 28 darn years to figure it out. Well, I can certainly relate to that because I also spent 28 years as an employee before becoming an entrepreneur. Wow. Maybe that's the magic number, 28. Hey, maybe that's it. I, I hope for our listeners that they get smarter than us, man, because that's a long time to do something that you're really not... Man, I hope people are passionate about it. If they are, great for them. But I would tell you that over 28 years, I didn't really find a lot of moments where I was passionate about what I was actually doing and contributing to the greater good of of the world. Like, so what? I 
had different jobs and different management positions and different executive positions. But listen, we were creating software or selling services. But what did I do to create a better world? I don't, nothing, really. <laughs> I got to put some people to work. That's great. It wasn't very fulfilling for me. And I just kept putting up with it because I got paid too much. And then all that ended one day. And I, I realized, what just what the heck am I going to do? And so I started looking around and I, a buddy of mine said, hey, what, you know, I just dropped my daughter off at college and I, I, we took her over to the laundromat. The place was packed. Like, what do you think a laundromat makes? And it just made my brain think like back to when I was in college, I had a, a fraternity brother who had family friends that owned laundromats. And he was telling me about him one day. And I still remember the conversation. He was just telling me about their, they're fairly well to do. And they owned, they owned laundromats and this kind of fantasy of collecting the quarters out of the, out of the bins, you know, a couple of times a week and, and, uh, and taking them off to the bank or putting them in a bucket or, you know, whatever you do, right. It doesn't really turn out to be that way. But the point is, it is a really interesting opportunity. I think laundromats really are a great business. And I ended up, I, I built three of them. And during that, the course of that deal, we, my buddy said, Hey, why, why don't we build some car washes? Cause we've got a friend that has four, four, you know, full service car washes. I'm not talking like, you know, you pull in and you put quarters in to spray your car down. I'm talking about 120 foot, 140 foot tunnels with all the lights and the soap and the, you know, the, the spinning brushes and stuff. And, um, they're super cool projects, man. And the reason they're so popular is because laundromat, I mean, uh, car washes make a ton of money, but they're expensive. Like an average car wash project, like we're talking about, we buy the land and a build a building and put all the equipment in it. It's a four to $5 million project and they'll do 800 to a million dollars net a year. So like they, they do great, you know, as long as you pick the right neighborhood and all the stuff, you know, you always have to do, but they're so competitive that it's hard for a guy, you know, even if you have the financial means and, and the time, like, man, they are super competitive. We, we started four different projects and all four of them washed out. It's just, I didn't mean any pun by that either, but the, like all, all four of them went away due to one was a competitive situation. We found out that a, a big national competitor was opening right across the street. Uh, and the other three were all related to city and county regulations that impacted approved use of space and drainage. And, you know, th there's just a million environmental things that you have to sort out and, and get passed by the, the city and the county. So anyway, th those, those fell apart. And, you know, then we decided hey, maybe, um, you know, maybe we'll go check out some franchises. And so I went through that process, like you said, seven times. I finally found one that uh, I, I've ended up, I bought and I ended up opening. There was another one that I bought and didn't end up opening. Thank goodness for that one. And then I also bought a business. It's kind of an automotive part thing. And uh, that has just absolutely exploded. That's been a fantastic experience. And um, I started an Amazon private label. And then, you know, as I went through this, like, like you were sharing in the opening, I decided to just make all this information available to folks because, you know, even after 28 years in the corporate world where you think, you know, you've learned something, I get out here and I'm trying to do this entrepreneurial thing and I'm just inventing stuff from whole cloth all the time. And, and everybody that, that heads down this path is probably doing a lot of reinvention as well. And I thought, hey, if, if I have to learn it, at least I can share it with everybody. And that, that was really the story behind starting the diversified income experiment. And then someone kind of motivated he wants to start recording some things and it turned into the podcast. And uh, that's really been, been a phenomenal success. Uh, you know, I don't make any money on a podcast, but I do enjoy sharing with people and getting feedback from people and letting them know, 
Like I just talked to a guy last week and he, he told me the impact that I've had on his, on his life, just listening to my dumb podcast. Like, you know, he listened to my podcast and they're 20 or 30 minutes long and, and to really impact someone's life. I, that to me is fulfilling. And I really, I was proud that I was able to help. And I get those kinds of stories quite frequently. Right. That's me blithering on for a long time. Well, as a podcast host, I can also relate to that as well. I've had many people on this show that have gone from corporate to their own business. The more common one is somebody who is maybe not CEO, but mid to high level and has spent um, also probably like you 20 to 30 years in um, in her or his discipline doing great work, usually being well paid. And they start a business that is somehow related to the same discipline, often as a consulting or a coaching business. They also struggle with the business side, you know, figuring out um, how to actually run a small business, which is what they're suddenly doing, as opposed to solving complex problems for for their employers' clients, and that also has its its host of issues. But it, it's interesting that you know you were in fairly high level roles in companies that I suspect were solving also some complex problems, and then what do you decide you really want to do? You want to build laundromats. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting path. Yeah, it's a very interesting path. But like if I had to play this whole thing over again, I'm not sure that I would have gone and launched all these different businesses. I certainly wouldn't have launched them all, right? I, I, if you know, I could do it all over again, I would just do the stuff that, that actually works. And I wouldn't have spent time and money on car washes because like I said, I had four of them that didn't work out. I probably would not do an Amazon private label business. It's just not good for me. I know a lot of people that have made and are making lots and lots of money from Amazon private label business. If you get a good product and you source it the right way and um, you can build great reviews on Amazon, you can you can sell a lot of product, but it's not a good fit for me because I like to talk to customers and that is 100% managed by by Amazon. So I don't, I don't get to do that. And what I didn't know, and this is probably the most important thing that I can share with, with all the listeners is that when you're, you know, you decide you're going to go solo and whatever the reasons are, and it's the scenario for the guy that um, and gals that um, that just left their corporate job and for whatever reasons, but maybe it was abrupt or maybe they've been planning it for a while. But the thing you have to know is what is your timeline to needing cash? And a lot of people are just super passionate about commercializing their own idea, right? Build a business. But the reality is you are two years if you're really good and three years if you're a, if a normal process to be able to, to generate income from your idea in a meaningful way. Like the laundromats, from the time I said go, it was three years to get the first one built, you know, planned, because you had a lot of city planning. You got to get through the architecture and all the MEP reviews. I like got all this stuff, right? You have to negotiate a lease. And a lot of these things can't do in parallel because I don't want to be spending money on architects if I don't have a lease done. But I had a building that took me nearly a year to get a lease done. And if I asked you just, and you didn't know, like you don't come from that space, I said, hey, what, how long do you think it would take to get a retail lease done? You'd say, I don't know, what, maybe three weeks, four weeks? No, it took me almost a year. And so I have three laundromats now. The third of them just opened in April. And this is, what, September? So five months ago. And the first one, it's now been open for a little over a year, probably a year and a half. And, you know, that's, that's a full three years into the process. And now it produces revenue at you know, the operating model that I had built, but man, like if you don't, if you don't have that much time, 
you better be doing something different. And here's the answer. You can buy a business. Like I did this interesting experiment. I planted some seeds, like tomato seeds. And then I went out to buy a business and I was able to buy and close the business and generate revenue before those seeds turned into a plant that was producing tomatoes. And like, if, if your timeline is compressed, find an opportunity that's out there for sale, because listen, these smaller businesses, you're not competing with, with venture capital and private equity. I mean, they're not looking for the same stuff and they're looking for bigger companies. If you're looking for something, let's say you need, I'm just making up numbers to, to make it easy, but let's, let's say you need a business that's going to do a hundred grand in not revenue, but earnings. And maybe that business is going to sell for three times earnings. So you're going to buy it for $300,000. That business is going to turn around and deliver to you a hundred grand, right? Unless you screw it up, right? But you're buying it. You're a smart person. You buy a business. Now you got an opportunity. Like every year, that thing's going to give you a hundred grand. And then you get an opportunity to grow it. And so for instance, my, my little auto parts business, I bought 13 months ago and it was doing $50,000 a month in revenue. And this past this past month, we did 380,000 in revenue, right? That's 12 months later. And that just means I found a really great product that hadn't been marketed. And we put some great marketing energy behind it with some really smart guys. And we were able to, to grow it like that. Now think about those kinds of returns, man. Well, you can't do that in the stock market. And if you do, you're gonna do it once. You're not gonna do it consistently. But those kinds of opportunities are out there in, in buying a business. And you can generate these incredible returns. You have a chance to grow something you can spend as, as much or as little time as you want on it. And it's, it's your business, right? If, if that's what your aspiration was to be entrepreneurial and you want to go solo and generate, you know, your own living, what a great gig, man. And if you want to find something that doesn't require, you're not buying yourself a job, let's say you're buying yourself a business and it's a little bit bigger and you can put some infrastructure behind there, you might spend 10 hours a week on it. And that think about, you know, you just spent your career living with whatever, your boss or the board of directors, whoever was deciding that you're worth, or you were punching a clock for, you know, whatever you were making per hour. Now I'll think about having a business that you're spending 10 or 20 or 30 hours a week on and making more than you were in your prior career, right? That it's just, there's so many opportunities out there to buy a business. I just really think it's fascinating and super unexplored. And the people I talk to about it feel overwhelmed by the concept because, it, you know, just seems daunting. Like if someone's listening to it right now. They're like, I'm not going to go buy a business. I don't even know the first thing what I'm doing. Well, the first thing you got to do is go find a business broker. Yeah. So if the numbers are more favorable in buying a business versus starting one, whether it's something like a laundromat or a car wash or an Amazon private label business, or it's something that is a consulting or coaching business that's related to your discipline, why isn't there more emphasis and more information out there about how to buy businesses? Dude, that's a great question. I don't know. I think there's plenty of information about how to buy a business, but there's not very much information out there about why to buy a business. And it's all about, I mean, it has to start with your timeline to needing revenue. And if you need something or want something sooner than later, like you don't want to spend two or three years to get something up and running and then go, go buy a business and step right into a revenue and an earning stream right? The day you own it, that money comes to you. And so you can do that three months from the time you find it, right? You can get an SBA loan and close on that. Right now with the whole COVID thing, the SBA process is a little bit longer, but let's say you've got a 401k and that's, that's where you're going to tap to get a loan or um, at least for a significant down payment. Maybe you can do traditional financing or maybe you've got a rich uncle or a rich friend or something that's willing to, to do the funding, right? There's all kinds of ways to get 
to get money. And when you talk to a business broker, a good business broker, like I bought my business from Chuck Mullins at uh, Quiet Light Brokerage. And I, I talk about Chuck all the time. And I, I talk to Chuck all the time. He sold me a fantastic business, right? Really great business. And I bought it for cash, but he had all kinds of avenues on how that business could be financed if I needed to do that. And that's why I just think, you know, people should go explore that option because, you know, the timeline is, is pretty fast. And listen, when, for me, like coming out of a corporate career and then going to build laundromats, it's kind of exhausting. Like I love the laundromats. <laughs> They're cool, but hey, it's a lot of work, man. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Yeah. Three years of fighting it out. And, you know, three years I could have bought, I could have bought 30 businesses, right? You could buy all kinds of businesses. I just think that, you know, it is a really great opportunity. I'll, you know, I'll park it there, but I'd also share like the, the happy middle ground is probably a franchise where someone's got a really good proven idea that you don't have to go reinvent. And you probably do have to build it from the ground up. The first one that I end up buying, and I literally, I paid the fees for it as one of these family entertainment centers, you know, think of like Sky Zone, one of those kinds of deals, the old trampoline parks, and now they're version two. And it, it wasn't a Sky Zone, but it was a similar deal. And I got into it because a friend of mine said, hey, look at the returns on this business. We should own some of these. And I said, man, that sounds fantastic. And so we set out to do it. And then after paying the franchise fees and actually even securing property in terms of a lease, we poked around the financials a lot more. And the, 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 this lease was really long as well. I just had more time to talk to more franchisees that had opened some of these businesses and the financials just weren't working out like, like I had modeled based on my understanding of what they should do. And anyway, we, we just closed the door. I had a chance to get out of the lease because the landlord couldn't fulfill one of their obligations. And so we canceled the lease and then just walked away from the money we'd put into it. But even though we walked away from some money, what I learned in that process was you got to be really selective and honest with yourself in terms of what you like to do and what you like to manage and how much time you want to spend. So for instance, think about, think about these indoor family entertainment centers, right? You know, like these trampoline parks or whatever. Not many of them have trampolines as a primary use anymore. They're kind of dangerous and weird, but they've got all kinds of other stuff in there now. And they're pretty fun to go to. My kids go to these places and probably folks are listening. They know what I'm talking about. And think about the employee base. You get a hundred plus part-time college kids that come and go, right? You got to keep track of hundreds of employees. I don't want to do that. I don't have any interest in that at all, but that's the path I was headed down. I committed to buy three of these things. So, I mean, it launched three of them. I bought the rights for, for three of them, right? That would have been hundreds of employees. That's not what I want to do. And even though I would have had a GM run the whole thing, you know, it's still, it's an employee game. And then it's a lot of great big retail space that's super expensive. And let's say the business can't support it because there's a pandemic going on. And wh what are you going to do with an $80,000 a month lease, right? Walk away bankrupt. So, you know, wow, just a really good thing that we ended up walking away from that and could. But the place I ended up landing was a franchise called Smash My Trash. And I bought that because I think it'd be an interesting extension to the experiment that now I've been running. And and it is a great business. It has a bit of a runway to get it live, but that's just because the trucks, which are the integral part of this business, there is no storefront. There's no space to lease. We just take this great big truck and smash the contents of dumpsters and reduce the number of haul-offs that someone would have. So if you have a big warehouse and you're full, full of pallets, you know, you haul that thing off, it's 400 bucks, maybe it's more. And if now I can reduce the haul-offs by 70%, I'm saving you a lot of money. And so the value proposition is great. The overhead is light. 
and overhead in terms of capital, but also in terms of resources, right? As a sales guy and a driver. And so really, really lightweight in terms of staffing and the returns are fantastic. So anyway, you have to be really honest about what, not just the financials, but what are you willing to put up with to achieve those financials? And that's why I think, you know, franchising can be, I'd be careful, but, you know, can be pretty lucrative as well. Could be a great fit. So Keith, you clearly have learned a lot about entrepreneurship since you left the corporate world. What's your game plan going forward? Well, you know, my whole deal about diversified income is because one day you are going to wake up and whatever is paying you is not going to pay you anymore. And that means your corporate job, you might get fired or that company might go out of business or whatever it is, man, it's going to go away. You might be one of the very, very few, a very small percentage of people that are going to work an entire career and then have saved enough money and gracefully retire and get the cake and the gold watch. But most likely that's not going to happen. Your company's going to go out of business. They're going to get sold and you're going to get dispatched or you're going to get fired or, or whatever. Like a hundred different things can happen. And with all of those, one thing is consistent. Your income stream goes away. So I wanted to create in this entrepreneur world, a way where I would never have to be subject to that again. Like you get the phone call that says your job's been terminated effective immediately. Really? That means your paycheck does too. And I don't ever, ever, ever want to be in that position. So I will continue to own these businesses. They're not operationally heavy because I, I put infrastructure in place and I spend a few hours a week on this stuff, right? I got a manager for the three laundromats. I don't really spend any time on it. For my automotive parts deal, I really enjoy that business. So I spend more time than I would otherwise. And the, and the growth is, is, is supportive of it. But I think about like that business, I'd like to grow it for the next five years and then sell it, you know, and maybe I, you know, maybe there's a big payday at the end of that. But if not, it will also be generating income and I'll hire a great CEO and that person go run it and I, I can continue to make money from it. And then I will have these diversified income streams from the laundromat and from this, this parts business and from the Smash My Trash franchise. And that's at least three. Right? And if I decide to put more effort into the Amazon deal, which I don't think I will, you know, that would be a fourth. And, and maybe along the way, I pick up something else because it sounds interesting. And then there's always, you know, the kind of returns you can make just out of the stock market, which is, you know, it's got to, got its ups and downs for sure, but it is, you know, it's, it's part of the overall diversified income stream. And that's, that's where it's headed for me, David. And I, I just think that people need to be prepared and you can do that by either having one colossal success, like where, you, you know, you win big, or you can have a lot of little things that are are generating a really great income for you that it doesn't even have to be totally passive, right? I'm not trying to get out of having to do any work. And certainly it's a lot of work to get them started. But, you know, if you grow them big enough, you can put some management in place and you can step away from the day-to-day if that's really what you aspire to do or just or just stay in it, right? Whatever. But the diversified income, that's what that's where it's at for me and that's what I'm trying to create. Well, Keith, we've certainly covered a lot of really important principles in this discussion. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything you share today, learn more, access your podcast or any other resources you have, where would they go? Yeah, that's a good question, man. You can go to uh, dinkpie.com. That, that dinkpie stands for Diversified Income Passive Income Experiment. And I originally called this the passive income experiment. Then I realized none of this is really passive. So I call it diversified income. But you can always go there. You can always send me an email at, at harry at dinkpie.com. You can go to my my uh, LinkedIn deal and reach out to me at Keith Leinbach. Uh, you know, on LinkedIn, you can go uh, to the website. I've got all kinds of assets out there. A lot of them are free. 
I just put financial models and lease templates and best practices and a bunch of other stuff out there. And if you want to download some of it, I charge for it, whatever, but anybody can, can contact me and where I can help you out. Just let, let me know how, because like I said, in the podcast, which is called diversified income experiment, it's not a tremendous amount of time, but it is, it is some time. And now I get the luxury of defining how I want to spend my time. And I've decided I'm going to continue to do that because I've got a chance to really help other people in what I think is a meaningful way. And so take advantage of that, listen to it. And, um, you know, if you want to reach out uh, via email or LinkedIn or, or give me a call, happy to talk to you. Well, Keith, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing for entrepreneurs. And I want to thank you for coming on and going solo today and sharing a little bit about your story and, and some of the, the thoughts behind it. My guest today has been a really smart entrepreneur, Keith Leinbach. Thank you again, Keith, for joining us. Hey, thanks, David. I appreciate being on. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned why you need to diversify your income and much more. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.